Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, welcome to Apocalypse Live, mm. Heather, on this, the 30th? 30th? Yeah. 30th Thursday. of July, 2020. It's a Thursday night. It's just been so long now. It's been ages. It's been the whole year. I know we say that every time, but every time I say the date, I'm like, fuck, it's been a really long time. But sometimes I kind of feel like it hasn't been a really long time because it kind of hasn't, right? It's been like a quarter of the year, but it feels like an eternity. No, it's been six months. Well, since it started in China. Yeah, but since it started like... Affecting and impacting. Us. Yeah. It's, it's like, only been since WOMAD. <laughs> yeah, it's only been since WOMAD, right? So, like, when I think about Christmas, yes. and it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen at Christmas? We won't be able to, you know, travel. Uh. We won't be able to see our families. And maybe that seems, like, pretty likely. Mm. However, it is actually, like, that's five whole months away. Yes, yeah, so long. You know, that, so that is, like, longer away than all of this stuff has been happening for. Or it's about the same. I mean, I guess it started about four months ago. Yeah. 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 So it could all turn around in that time. Time is so weird at the minute. I feel really discombobulated when I attempt to project months into the future at the minute. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to plan for November. I feel like it's so... People have said that to me or people have expressed that sentiment of, like, Mm. we don't know. Everything is so uncertain now. It's like you don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm like, did you used to know what was going to happen in the future? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did everybody used to kind of, like, walk around with this really... And I guess the answer is that we did have this, like, that it's pretty natural that humans kind of, like operate on this just sense of that things will always be the same and you can't really conceptualize things being radically different ever which is why like apocalypse stories are so fascinating yeah and why we're so fucking hopeless at addressing climate change because we just can't quite believe that everything will go to shit in the way that it almost certainly will but yeah it's kind of making it's just such a funny thing when people express that you don't know what's going to happen in the future and it's like 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 one of the things that i feel say if i think you know like i was saying before say christmas six months or five months how many months five a number of months from now five months five months from now and it's like i won't be able to choose to go to see my family in melbourne for christmas for Mm. example might be a thing but it's like so it's sort of there's this feeling of like oh we don't have any choices anymore but in fact we do have choices it's just that everything has changed so it's like the only thing we don't want to have to choose ever is change. <laughs> we want to have every choice available to us, every possible choice except change. And now we've got change and so we don't feel like we can choose all the normal humdrum usual things that we like to be able to choose between anymore. Yeah. We, li- we like the fallacy of choice and change, but we don't really, we don't really like kind of unknown choice and change, which is where we are now. Yeah. And it's actually like talking about Christmas is making me think about... Santa. <laughs> Christmas presents. Uh, Elves. It's the making smell me, of a pine Christmas it's tree. It's making me think about bushfires and oh, the fact that last yeah. Christmas, that was the apocalypse that we hmm. were all dealing with. Yeah. Um, and you went to Melbourne and I know that Melbourne mm. had a huge amount of smoke and was feeling very intense at that time. And I went to the south coast of New South Wales, yeah. which was obviously just a complete shitstorm. And it's weird to reflect 
on that now because that was such a I want to use this phrase and I think it's a Harrison Ford movie clear and present danger <laughs> is that a Harrison Ford movie it, back in the 90s where he did a movie where he did I remember all those remember. political thrillers yeah. and he was sort of trying to reinvent himself as like a serious actor side note I watched Blade Runner for the first time original Blade Runner what? the other day really yeah I'd never seen it before he is so handsome he's so handsome it's fucked up how handsome he is mm. it's really crazy he's got that weird little dimple smile do you feel like on. you'll look at him differently now <laughs> when you watch him in what film has he been in recently i don't think i honestly ha- well i guess he's been in the new star wars oh yeah do you think you'll look at him differently when you watch the new star wars maybe like you'll be like mm, handsome i mean i feel like he sort of lost his handsomeness for me back when, remember when he was dating Callista Flockhart? Remember oh, Ali no. McBeal? <laughs> you know Ali McBeal? I vaguely remember And Callista Ali Flockhart McBeal. was the actress in that. And so... Is that a show about lawyers? Yes. Yeah. I feel like the one takeaway that I can remember about Ali McBeal, I can't remember anything about Ali McBeal except that did it famously have unisex toilets? It famously had unisex toilets. It had Portia that de Rossi as well. That is my single well. takeaway. And it also had um, the weird animated dancing baby, um, which was kind of like this. That was in of... the lawyer show? Yeah. Why was that in a lawyer show? I don't know. I thought that anyway, was a Anyway, okay. Harrison Ford and Callista right. Flockhart dated, which blew everybody's minds because they were like 30-year age difference. Oh. And I remember reading a little snippet in like Women's Weekly or something like that back when we used to read like actual mm. magazines instead mm-hmm. of just blogs, that they had gone rollerblading together. <laughs> <laughs> and that Harrison Ford had broken his wrist because oh, he'd fallen over when they were, because he was an old man. And I just feel oh, like that was sort of the end. But that was like 15 years ago. Yeah, and man. then he's still making movies. So to get to my point, which was about last Christmas, um, <laughs> and the clear and pleasant danger of the bushfires and how that was so much of an apocalyptic real threat to people's lives in a way that this is not as kind of like imminent and indiscriminate mm. as something yeah. like that is. Yeah. And yeah, it's not a fiery wall of doom. No. Which is quite a tangible thing. It was such a tangible thing. And yet we all knew that was happening. That was happening mm. for like a couple of months before we all still just went to the east coast that's so, so we true. all pursued still this like standard thing that we do at mm. christmas time which is where we go to our families and i remember the kind of having this moment where george and clancy and i went to go to maria on the south coast which was at that time safe but there were a lot of fires sort of around it there was still the big bateman's bait fire which was quite close and we had this like terrible crazy journey where like our flight into Sydney was delayed because of all the smoke and then they lost our baggage. So we were like in Sydney in all this smoke with the baby. We had no clothes. And then we had to spend the night there like freezing in this hotel because we had like no clothes and Clancy oh. had to sleep under like a bunch of towels. Oh my stuff. God. Anyway, so we spent the night in Sydney. And, and meanwhile, we're... you're like, yeah, we're going on a holiday. We're still. going on a holiday. Absolutely. We're, we're still, this is the thing that we always yeah. do. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it. And so we rock up to the airport the next day to get our like connected little regional flight from Sydney to Maria and our bag still hadn't arrived and Clancy was in his like 
by this t- point, just completely fucking filthy, disgusting, like sagging onesie <laughs> that had all like the remnants of the 70,000 meals that he'd eaten while he was wearing it all over it. And we had to wait for like three hours. Our flight was delayed because there was so much smoke that they couldn't land in Maria in the little planks. It wasn't safe for any. And yet it never occurred to us, like, maybe we should just not go. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just cancel this trip yeah. because there's all these bushfires around. And we didn't. We went. And then sure enough, it all just got fucking bonkers around New Year's, by which time we had already left, thankfully, but my parents were still there. And so I guess it kind of just goes to show that there sort of is this precedent of, I of inaction. Of, yeah, and, and, and of, of just inability like to just kind forging of, ahead, yeah, even though to alter yeah. habits. And, and, you know, and that, I mean, that goes down to the core of, climate change stuff and inaction around that it goes down to the core of of why complying with the restrictions around the pandemic can feel so hard and be so hard and seem so distant and unnecessary we're just not really that good at doing stuff differently unless we're really shaken you know yeah yeah but what does it take yeah, I don't know what it says. Well, I, I don't wonder, know. So he, I wonder a if it's fiery like, wall of doom. Is it a muscle that we need to build? Do we need to like build our muscle of practicing making habit changing choices? What habit would you change? I don't know anything. Like, like oh no, now I'm kind of sounding like a movie with like maybe Robin Williams in it or something. <laughs> like where 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 it's like no, you just have to like make different choices to yes. what you would usually make and. Yeah, and seize the day. Or like that episode of Seinfeld where George just does everything the opposite of what he would usually do. Sure. And like his life goes really well for a while (laughs) whilst he does that. But so if you, I don't know, choose not to have milk in your tea or something. Take the tea bag out. Leave the tea bag in. So this is the thin end of the wedge when it comes to climate change action. (laughs) Yeah. This is is as thin as the wedge gets. (laughs) Everyone, <laughs> this is my proposal. This is my this platform. is what I'm gonna my my platform. This is my inroads to green. My, this is my pitch for the Greens nomination. <laughs> um, this is my policy pitch. It is thin end of the wedging and supporting people to build their muscle for habitual change by making extremely small changes, like listen to ABC Local instead of. Radio National. Would you have a vested interest in why people should listen to ABC Local at this point in time? I did try and listen to ABC Local and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, I'll go back to Radio National now. (laughs) (laughs) And and do you know what? I put it on and I was like, oh, yeah, this is really relevant. Oh, yeah, okay, this is really good to know. Mm, I'm glad Mm. I'm hearing this candidate being interviewed for the upcoming state elections. I will be required to vote in in a few weeks' time. Pertinent. I might change it back to Radio National. Yeah, Yeah. I might miss that repeat of Richard Feidler's conversation with, I don't know, whoever. To bring us back to the present day, so I think there's been kind of like recently everybody's been really watching in horror the numbers out of Victoria. And today it was... 700 and something hey 700 yeah and i can't remember new cases yeah it's really shocking and really confronting it's crazy and and really sad yeah it's really strange watching it from afar Um, yeah like do you feel that i i feel that because of you know 
Yeah. Having being from Melbourne and having family and friends there, it feels strange to be removed from this thing that's so tangible and all encompassing and just unavoidably present. Yeah. And yet it's so strange for it to be from my perspective a thing that I dip into once a day and yeah. look at the numbers and go, Oh gosh, that must be hard. It I don't is... mean that in a I don't mean that in a flippant way. No, it's but just it's just we that, are so removed. That, that that's I'm, very weird. We're living it in an abstract way. We're living it in such an abstract way. And I think that was really brought home to me. I don't know what it feels like to live in a state of like, I might actually get coronavirus. Mm. Like that is the thing that could actually happen yeah. to me, even though I actually had a coronavirus oh, test. Yes. <laughs> tell, tell me about this experience. <laughs> okay, so is this like a really good moment to just remind you the repeated... Oh my God, the f- your repeated kind of mantra the last time we recorded, which was like, oh, I've just had this cold, but I do not have COVID. I do not have COVID. Oh, my God. Anyway, it turns just... out I absolutely do not have COVID because Definitely. I had the test. But I was sick for quite a while and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call. I'm just going to make the call. And so I called up the GP and they had a chat to me and they were like, yep, yeah, we would definitely test you. So come in just when the drive through testing had just started. Mm. So I got to do that. George also had to be tested. And also they wanted to test Clancy, which I wouldn't let them do because it's such a traumatic test. Um, yeah. So we drove in, we had our like little allotted time and we drove in in our car in the little driveway next to the health center. And the person came out in the full hazmat thing really interesting I'm pretty sure so they had the full face shield but there was like a microphone on the outside of the face shield so that they could or like a speak so so that they we could hear them when they were talking to us through so their voice was kind of weirdly projected from their weird little like visor sounds like the closest thing to 2001 a space odyssey that any of us will actually ever experience yeah it was very strange so the doctor came out she did so you had this did she talk like this (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what I was sounding like at that okay. point in time. <laughs> and I still do sound like that a little bit. Anyway, so come in. They give you this. There's an incredibly long swab, which is just like a long, long, long cotton earbud, tip. cotton tip thing, which they put down your throat, which they had to do to me a number of times because I kept trying to vomit when they did it because, you know, I'm knocked up and my upchuck reflex is very sensitive (laughs) I'm sorry anyway so they finally did that then they put the same thing up both of your nostrils hang on they use the same cotton bud that they just stuck in your throat that has all your throat goopy vomit on it they put it in your nose in both of your noses I mean in both of your nostrils (laughs) yeah Um, so it was deeply horrible. I knew it was going to be horrible because I had actually had a a test for the flu a few years ago and I was really taken by surprise when I had a nasal swab for the first time. I was like, that was awful. And the dude was like, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, sorry. Um, but they kind of hold the back of your head because you're instinctively trying to move <laughs> in, your, in your driver's seat of your car. <laughs> Just got this image of people in hazmat suits chasing people, walking slowly backwards around car parks. So you can't get out of your car because you all have to be like isolated. Yeah. But I did have this image of me just like subconsciously putting the car into reverse and just like slowly <laughs> kind of backing away. Anyway, so they hold the back of your head and then they put it up. 
they have to be really careful because obviously like it's all quite delicate and when you're sick it's really sore as well Mm. it's all inflamed and it just is quite surprising how far back your nasal passages go when you've got something stuck up there it just keeps on going it's bonkers yeah and then they go oh okay that's done all right now we have to do the other side do they use the same cotton bud yeah they use the same one i just yeah that to me is the most shocking takeaway. From it was entire... really horrible. And George, so I got it done first because I was like, just do it. I know it's going to be awful. I'll go first. And George was sort of like, I thought quite patronizingly like, oh, they're there. It's okay. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, mate, just wait. And yeah, he was quite shocked by how awful it was. Anyway, so then we had to go into isolation for a few days while we waited for the results, which took like four days because it has to go to Darwin from Alice Springs Mm -hmm. to get all analysed and come back. Um, And then it was negative, thank God. But yeah, it was a weird experience because I was talking to my family about it. My brother's now had two tests and we'll probably have a third Mm. now because he works at a school and a student tested positive there the other day. So their school was shut for like three days and everything was bleached. Um... But such a weird experience for those guys because when they're getting the test, they might actually have it because he lives in Melbourne. So it was kind of this weird thing where I sort of knew that there was no way I had it because there's none here. But I still had to do this test and perform Mm. this isolation. It's that muscle. But yeah, I still don't really know what it would feel like to do the mm. test and actually be waiting for the results and being like, maybe I actually have. Yeah, you weren't wondering if you had COVID, you were... Um, sort of like trying to navigate the impact it was having on your life and being yeah, stuck in your house and, and just not having food and yeah. having know. to call up Alex to go and pick up Hanuman's takeaway for us. <laughs> That's how bad things got, guys. Yeah. They got really bad. Did the Hanuman's make it a bit better? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But I guess I got this insight into how there's all this talk about people not complying mm. with the rules in Melbourne and whatever. And I can see how that doesn't happen because, you know, there's this sense of just like, oh, but this thing and this extenuating circumstance and this other factor and, oh, but it'll be fine. and abstraction and disconnection. And it must just be, I don't know how you overcome that. Like, yeah, maybe through not putting milk in your tea. Exactly. By building that muscle. Yeah. I mean, it goes to show what a motivating factor shame is yeah I mean (laughs) and this is the thing I guess like because people can always say oh I don't really care about my own health because everybody always feels invincible and everybody feels like Mm. they could get it and they would survive it or whatever but when you start to think oh maybe I would give it to somebody else I think that's the real like that's the real motivation and I would like to say that comes from a place of altruism and wanting to definitely care for the community but I really do think it comes from like a fear of being publicly shamed as yeah. the person who brought it, yeah. you know, of being the typhoid Mary. And you know what? It's a reminder, really, that emotions like shame have evolved evolutionarily in order to protect yeah, us. Like so this true. is this is the example because, you know, shame also is such a debilitating emotion that in a day-to-day way often has really negative impacts on us as individuals and can prevent us from doing good things. But ultimately, that's its evolutionary reason for existence. We don't want to get kicked out of the community. We don't want to get kicked out of the community and therefore we look after the community and we Mm. look after each other and, you know, anyway. Yeah. I wonder if there's a... Thanks, shame. Thanks, shame. If only there was a way to harness shame for action on climate change. Um, But what a relief... That you definitely don't have coronavirus. Yeah. I, for one, 
I have I'm the text message in my phone that. from the NT Department of Health. Right, I will be requiring you to show that to me <laughs> later. I should have asked for it upon entry. Um, oh, like I had a moment of another moment of realizing how different things are in Alice Springs. I have been doing recruitment interviews at work mm. with my colleagues over Zoom, me and my three colleagues sitting next to each other around oh, yeah. a table. Yeah. And we've been, we interviewed quite a few people who were based in Melbourne who were a bit thrown and weirded Too many out people in a by Zoom the fact screen. that there was so many of us in a room yeah. together. Do you think that that in itself is just like, the best recruitment strategy that you could have for a job in Alice Springs at the moment is if you take this job and move to Central Australia, you too could sit next to a colleague. Yeah, in, in a an Zoom office. Meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good I mean, you. honestly, I think yeah. life's pretty good up here. It is really great up here in our desert yeah. fortress. I am curious now, speaking of borders being open, so I think the last time we recorded was like the day after the borders had opened and that mm. was like two yeah. weeks ago maybe. Or like just under two weeks ago. Yeah. And so have you noticed anything? Has it felt different? One thing I have noticed is that I have been getting a lot of dirty looks towards the license plates on the car. <gasps> that I drive oh, do you still have got... Victorian license plates? Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit. Well, because it's not my car. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Um, yeah. So I've just felt this like I haven't had any comments but i've seen you a haven't few had cars. an angry mob with i've seen or a few cars with vic plates when i say a few there's been one and i didn't see it my sister steph told me that she saw it um that had <laughs> like they'd written on the back of the car this car came into alice springs in january like drove up before the pandemic oh wow so like as a bit of a so i so Whoa. anyway i've been Maybe, maybe they got their tires slashed or something. Yeah, yeah. Like honestly, because yeah. I did get a few comments when the pandemic first kicked off, like at the end of March, yeah, about right. the car. Mostly pretty jovially, like a bit like, "Whoa, that's a bit funny." Yeah. But I have noticed a few double takes at the license plates on my car, and yeah. can imagine some ire being yeah, delivered my totally. way. Totally. But there is this sense of just like, "Oh, get it together!" Like. Yeah. What about Look you? Look at have these numbers. <clears throat> like around town, any... I haven't really noticed anything, but you know, then I've been in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noticed anything, but I have felt a bit of a sense of like, um, I suppose just a bit of uneasiness about the concept of mm. like um, there being increased travel yeah. and it being like, cool, like it's coming from places that have really, really low numbers, but they've still got numbers. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so just feeling a bit, like, exposed in a way Hmm. (laughs) that, I don't know, I had got used to this sense of being, like, in this little bubble. Turns out the the draw of closed borders and inwards-looking nationalism is... it's pretty is, compelling. It's kind of seductive. Yeah. But we are sort of getting to the end of our time. Yeah, sure. So... I don't know, any predictions about the next few weeks? And not actual predictions, but what are your guts feeling like? Did you yeah, have, like, any yeah. doom feelings? I, look, I had a moderate sense of doom earlier in this week. Mm. Not doom, but I think I just had a sense of, for some reason, I'm, I'm not sure what it was, I think it was a day where there had been quite high numbers coming out of Victoria, not as high as today, but something like 500 or whatever, mm. where I was just like, whoa, you know, 
this sense that for some reason it kind of settled into my consciousness in a way that it hasn't that I'm not going to see my family for a long time I don't know that kind of knowledge sort of just Mm. solidified a bit that I suddenly felt like Christmas is not a thing I think I had been thinking there'll be an option for my family to come up here yeah our baby is going to be born a few weeks before then um and I kind of think I just realized that's probably not going to happen and that yeah, just that that felt sad. And then suddenly, well, if Christmas is not the end point, then where is the end yeah. point? Like Christmas is so this. Christmas is the resolution of things. Yeah. It, and it, it wraps me... everything up. In Alice Springs, everything wraps up for Christmas. Exactly. Surely the pandemic it would wrap up for a, Christmas as well. It is such a massive, it really is this massive slowing down towards the end of the year, this yeah. huge change in Alice, like over Christmas time and summertime. It and I be think so strange. It's going to be really, really strange. If and we're, we're all leaving. We're all just going to be here, I think. Yeah. And, and so I think I really came to terms with that a little bit and that felt really sad. And then also I felt a little bit panicked about, well, then what if I'm not holding out for Christmas, then what am I now thinking mm. is going to be the end date of this? And oh my God, will it, will it ever end? Or are we going to be dealing with this for years now? And I did a little reading about the plague. Probably shouldn't have done it. Mm. But God, that just went on for a really long time sometimes. Like hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. That's a I mean, really, really medicine long Medicine was not what it is now. <laughs> it's true. They did not have... The you know length the of cotton sa- that the plague is still around. Yes, and this is what I realized yeah. when I was doing this reading was like sometimes just pops up. People yeah. get it. Bubonic plague. Yeah. How fucking mental is that? Bubonic plague is like a thing surely that exists only in like fictionalized. I don't know. I like it's it, not but real. there's definitely like a, do- a, a, dozen. a dozen cases a year. Yeah, but you know, and it just gets fixed. Yeah, sure. Because like, I guess medicine maybe maybe i'm having i did a bit of reading and you're like i did too i think actually you are you talking about the article that i sent you me this article that's why i read it you messaged me in the middle of the night with this link to this article about the plague which i then read like under the covers of my phone just like oh my god it was about the article the article wasn't about the plague i mean it was about the plague but it was about how plagues are Have often catalyzed catalyzed like eras of enlightenment. Yeah, and and it was speculating it about was whether supposed the to same, be a posy story. But it was really I just fixated on the fact that what the fuck the plague is still around. <laughs> yeah, whoops. And also it lasted. I said it because it was supposed years. to be a posy story. <laughs> Maybe we should discuss it at a later date in a conversation where we're both aware that we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe that could be um, a theme for an upcoming show. What yeah. kind of renaissance would we expect out of COVID? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's like, I like that. What kind of dawning will there be post-Trump, hopefully, fingers crossed, post-COVID, um, post-Christmas? So many, so many, like, important elections coming up. NT, America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. We should wrap it up. Let's do it. Night, um, Heather. Night. Thanks. Don't text me any more scary articles in the middle of the night. The end.